What is going on, everybody? Hopefully you guys are all doing well out there. That's right, we are back again for another quarantined edition of the Sports Card Show podcast. And as typical during these times, we are joined to get again by Ryan. How are we doing today? Pretty good. Staying uh, quarantined for the most part. Not, yeah, for the most part. And uh, corona-free. Corona free. I think that's the most important thing uh, during this time. Got a, a slate of topics that we'll discuss today. Tops and Panini essentially shut down, uh, at least from uh, the new product uh, coming out. I saw that, I think, um, I want to say exquisite, but it's actually uh, Transcendent Hall of Fame edition, I think, is coming out pretty soon. And then you've got Definitive, I think, is all two fairly, one really high end, one. Uh, relatively high-end release coming out. I think those are still on schedule. The rest has been pushed back. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about maybe the National Sports Collectors Conventions, uh, talk about uh, maybe fantasy theories on what what could go on there. We'll talk about a little bit more about Amazon. That has been absolutely on fire, I know, for you as well. Talk about StockX, uh, a website that we've talked about a little bit. I've actually sold uh, three things on there today. And it'll probably keep moving in that direction, I think. I've been actually been excited about that. And we'll talk about uh, everybody, except for one of us on the show today, got a stimulus check. I know you're still a little upset about that. Maybe there's some news to report about that. But uh, most of us got our stimulus checks, so we'll maybe talk briefly about that. There was also some stuff going on. I think on I saw it on uh, YouTube and Twitter and Facebook. Something about if you had bought Microsoft... In 1986 or 1986-87, Fleer basketball boxes. Which one would have been the best investment? And most people are taking that information like the 99% would. And we will tell you how the 1% would analyze that information and uh, talk about that. Before we get into all that, just really briefly want to let you guys all know that, uh, hey, it's a difficult time for people. People are losing their jobs. Hopefully you're healthy. The good news is you have 110% control about how you feel about these situations. Obviously, if you get sick, a family member gets sick, that's a terrible thing to have happen to you. And we obviously, uh, our hearts and our thoughts go out to everybody out there that is in that situation. But The odds are most of you listening will not get coronavirus. The odds are if you do get it, you will survive and you will be fine. So turn off Twitter, turn off the news, turn off your governor, turn off the president, turn off all these stupid ass doctors that are getting on TV as well and focus on the positive. You're at home. You don't have to work. You can get a check from the government. You, uh, you can get, uh, some of you might still be getting a check uh, from your employer, and you're not even working. So things could be a lot worse. Stay positive. You have complete control over that. If you let 10 negative opinions get you down, you'll be the 11th person feeling negative that day. Feel positive. Things are going to be fine. Everybody's going to get through this. Ryan. How is the coronavirus working out for you? Well, I think, you know, 
one thing that we should mention is, you know, we we're able to separate business and personal stuff. We personally would not like to see anybody afflicted with, you know, coronavirus, even our worst haters, our biggest trolls, um, you know, people who have been named and featured on Sports Card Radio. We wouldn't want any of them or any of their family to, you know, come down with any of this serious stuff. This is entertainment. And we're able to separate the personal and the business side. So for me personally, again, I haven't I'm, I haven't been sick. Uh, don't know if I've had it or not. Uh, have felt fine during this whole month and a half or whatever. Obviously, I sell a lot of sports tickets. That's definitely probably my number one source of income is selling uh, sports tickets. So obviously, that is absolutely killed. Thankfully, I literally had. One ticket to a Lakers game and a couple season tickets to the 49ers that I had. That's, that's literally my whole entire, in, quote, investment in sports tickets. I had one Laker ticket and I had uh, about $3,000 in 49ers season tickets. I know some guys that literally got destroyed. StubHub could possibly go out of business. I mean, it's really impacted that. StubHub wasn't even given refunds. So if you bought a baseball ticket, they would give you a 120% voucher. So you could tell the, the liquidity of StubHub when they're doing that. And, you know, I think that was in part to kind of save the brokers because a lot of brokers might sell a baseball ticket and then go spend that money. And then all of a sudden this coronavirus hit and then all of a sudden these refunds and chargebacks. I mean, it was a really weird situation if you were heavily invested in March Madness tickets or the college basketball. I've I've heard some crazy stories about people who get and how they get college basketball tickets. And I can only imagine like some people just I mean, thankfully, I wasn't. I wasn't really afflicted by that. I am definitely going to try. I didn't get my twelve hundred dollar stimulus check. I didn't get that. Maybe I made too much money, or maybe there was something about if you file with TurboTax, um, they wouldn't have your bank account information. And also, I don't get a refund every year. I have to pay, so it could be that I'm just on a different schedule for that. Um, I am going to try to get on unemployment uh, because uh, as as a the gig economy. Because what I can do is I have a ten ninety nine from StubHub. That's a six figure ten ninety nine go to the state of California, the minimum they can give me if they want to is $40 a week, which obviously isn't very much. But the, if you've, you know, check this out, the federal government gives you a $600 check per week on top of that. So I'm trying to sit here thinking to myself, how do I have a six figure, six figure 1099 from StubHub that they just sent me? Thank, shout out to them because they probably going under and they sounded hella stressed, but they literally sent me a, my fucking... 1099 within like an hour of me calling them um they so you know getting an getting that extra how i could not qualify for that is literally i will literally move out of the state of california if i don't qualify for self-employed unemployment like how can how can the state literally the state is saying you can't have gatherings you can't have these sporting events so you know if i don't get that i'll be fine financially either way but getting, you know, a minimum of $640 per week, probably until they put fans back in the seats of sporting events again, uh, doesn't sound too bad, guys. So that's literally I've been doing that. Uh, my Amazon sales are up literally 500%. I literally sell uh, on some days $500 worth of stuff on Amazon and 
I only, I literally have less than $500 worth of inventory. So just do the math in your head. I know there's a lot of breakers out there when they show shit, they got cases of pretty prestige platinum stacked up to the ceiling and people like to open these big 4,000 square foot card stores and spend all this money. I sell $500 worth of, up to $500 worth of shit on Amazon per day right now. And I have less than $500 in inventory. So let that sink in for you guys. And uh, so coronavirus, I-, I was telling my friend, I was like, wow, this thing could, if, if, if everybody stays healthy and my family and friends, and, and boy, this could turn out to be one of the greatest things that's ever happened, oh, yeah. especially if I get $640 a week for doing jack shit. So uh, fingers crossed, we'll definitely be keeping you updated on that. Uh, no doubt. And, uh, you know, for me, it's like my wife um, is basically been furloughed. So she's at home um, more now. Uh, she was only working part time, and now she's not working much at all. So that's been amazing. Uh, my my website, you know, Amazon, all the travel companies, most businesses have pulled their online ads. So you can imagine uh, online the clicks I've been getting on my website are worth oh 40 percent less than they were just thirty days ago. So yeah, my income has gone in the tank. Uh, but things have not, things have not been better. I literally get to spend every single day with my wife and my kids and we go on walks and we've been watching TV and, uh, doing stuff in the yard and it's been awesome. So, uh, money comes and goes guys, money comes and goes your health and things like that, um, are, are far more important. So if you've been able to stay healthy during this time, uh, that's the most Im- important thing. And we have kind of a unique perspective of this. Uh, you know, 12 years ago when we started this podcast, we were going, you know, the the you know, the financial situation in the United States was somewhat similar. High unemployment. Uh, a lot of people were broke, including ourselves. And, you know, those times, you know, you're just as happy and, you, and, 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 and stuff during those times as well. So uh, money comes and goes. It, it shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't affect your happiness stay positive and um enjoy the show today so let's jump right into it and again we're going to separate uh you know business from personal yeah i remember the apprentice which was one of my uh, all-time favorite shows like right in the opening they'd play that money 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 song and then the quote right at the end before they started the show was it's business not personal and so I always remembered that. I always remembered, you know, hey, you know, business, it's not, it's not personal. And if you take it personally, it's going to, it's, you, your business is not going to go as well as it, it probably could have. So we're going to talk about business and some of you guys are going to take it personally, but you can always hit the pause button and, and switch to, uh, you know, any, any number of other podcasts there are out there in the universe. Tops and Panini essentially shut down. because they are not manufacturers. They are not card makers. They are essentially glorified card dealers, I think is probably a better way way to put it. They don't make the cards. They don't have printing presses. Tracy Hackler's not uh, oiling up the press and getting it to work. They all go through a third party, and they all go through the same third party located in the great state of Texas for the most part. At least most sets get produced there. They don't even ship the cards out. I've gotten shipments uh, direct from quote-unquote tops, and they come from this place in Texas. So they they handle all the logistics. This place in Texas prints the cards, 
uh, probably quality control checks a lot of them, packages them up and ships them out. Tops really, Tops and Panini really don't handle that. So we've seen a shutdown in terms of new sets, although there's been a few that are trickling out on the market. Um, but the cadence that sets normally come out is like once a week, basically. You probably have once a week a basketball set comes out or a football set or a basketball or baseball set or, or, or maybe even two of each sport come out each week. So, uh, and we've had some delays. I know Bowman got pushed back. A couple other sets have gotten pushed back. Um, I'm on the tops pre-orders, and so I know I think Big League got pushed back, and um, several sets have gotten pushed back quite a bit. And I think uh, that you know that that may make for a crowded calendar towards the end of the year. Uh, but what I've noticed is, I don't know if you've noticed this, Ryan, seems to me that uh, single cards have kind of picked up. Our check out my card sales seem to be fairly brisk. I, I've seen anecdotal evidence from other people saying, hey, my eBay sales have been relatively brisk. I have quite a bit of 2019 and a little bit of 2020 uh, ba tops baseball that I get. I usually get it and I just put it on the shelf and I wait, wait for a while. Um, and I've been selling it. I've sold a couple boxes of series one. I had a case of series one and I was like, I don't know if I want to sell it by the case or if I want to sell it by the box. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. I just got it. Uh, my sales rep called me up and asked me, it was like a couple weeks after series one came out and asked me if I wanted a case. I said, sure. So I got a case and it's just been sitting there and, but I logged on to StockX. I don't, I think they sent me a promo email or something. And I was like, oh, look, I'm going to check this out. And I noticed that the lowest ask price, which is basically like the for sale price on StockX was about what Blowout and DA was selling it for. And so I was like, well, if I can sell it on here for what they sell it for, and there's like a 9%, there's basically about 12% fees on StockX. So that that's all that's all you pay. They send you a UPS label that's quote unquote free. Um, but yeah, you pay a 9% processing uh, processing fee or seller's fee and then another 3% on top of that. Basically it's tw combined it's about 12%. So, I can sell uh, my boxes on there for about what they go for on eBay. It's actually a, probably a better deal to sell the boxes on StockX because I saw on eBay you can sell the, the series one boxes are selling for about seventy five dollars uh, at the current time, uh, maybe a little more, a little less depending on you know the situation. But I noticed for the most part, boxes are peeling off on eBay for seventy five dollars, but that's with free shipping. So the person who's selling that box is going to have to pay whatever eBay eBay fees have got to be 10, 12%, I can imagine, maybe more than that. Um, and then in, and PayPal fees included on top of that. And then you've got shipping, which on a box like that's going to be at least 9 to $10, depending on where it's going. So, you know, 12% fee on a, a Series 1 box, actually not that bad. So I've been peeling those off. I think I've sold three or four of those. I've sold an Inception box. On StockX, I sold a Heritage box for actually a really good price, like $80, $89.90 or something like that. And at a, I think that has a 55 I think Series 1 and Heritage are around a $55, $60 cost from the factory or from the distributor, basically. So it's not bad. Um, so I've actually 
been moving some of this product. I've noticed I have like Bowman, a Bowman draft, a couple Bowman draft boxes. I have some Tops update boxes from last year that I haven't sold. And those all have been trending up in price because, um, you know, we don't have any new sets. The stimulus checks have come in. We've got 15, 15 million Americans, I think, at this point, uh, sitting on unemployment, collecting a check from the government. So this stuff's moving. And uh, I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, depending on when sports return, depending on when Tops and Panini get back going, um, I don't know. I'm curious to ask you, Ryan, how, do you think this is going to last? Like, the, I think we're seeing relatively strong demand still for cards. And we're at, we're probably going to be approaching a, a 20 to 30% unemployment rate, which is depression, not recession, depression levels of unemployment in the country. And we're seeing boxes and cards fly out the door uh, like Gary V is, is still tweeting about cards instead of wine and, and his tea. So uh, do you think this is going to last? You know, the, the card industry probably has surprised me, especially over the last. I remember I, I remember when things kind of started to turn. It was like many, it was like 2016 or something or at, at one of the nationals. And I just remember there being so many people. And I was thinking to myself, like, where the F did all these people come from? And we've, you know, you've almost a snowball effect over the last uh, several years on uh, the growth of cards and vintage cards and single cards and everything. And like you said, the demand, even during this coronavirus and people are losing their jobs and, you know, maybe some people are able to replace that income or get on unemployment and maybe make more than they were, uh, when they were working, but not everybody is in that spot. Um, you know, certainly, but I'm surprised that cards have held, I would have bought quite a few more cards if, you know, things have tanked further. So I think as long as the government is providing kind of a backing for this, so if you are able to get on your state unemployment, and that probably varies from state to state, how that works, how easy that is to do, and obviously your job situation, and then the government kicks you an extra 600 as long as they're doing that, cards and pretty much everything else should be pretty good because that's that's quite a bit of money uh, to be putting into people's pockets. They're probably spending less staying at home or not working, not driving, not eating out, not going on vacations, not doing stuff. I've certainly been spending uh, less money in some regards because you're not doing your day-to-day normal stuff. Um, so I think, you know, unless the, in, unless the virus itself gets worse or the impact of it, the econ- I guess both the virus and the economic impact get worse, I, I think things could be fine. And as long as the government continues to pump, uh, either the state or the federal government continues to pump money into people's pockets... Things should be fine. You could even see an inflation situation where things get more expensive. You know, things are more expensive on Amazon. Toilet paper is, you know, $4 a roll or whatever it is. Could see a scenario where cards 
maybe maybe not every card, certainly, but key cards or certain ones, certain players, certain hot ones, there's uh, rare ones that you actually see a continued elevation in price, even as you see these horrific economic numbers of 6 million people filing unemployment last month or last week or whatever it is. And, you know, unemployment rates and people losing their job and certain sectors certainly hit big. I mean, you certainly, you know, would suck to have opened a restaurant or a nightclub or, you know, a casino or something in the last uh, six months or year or so. Answer your question. Yes, I believe things will actually continue to be strong um, unless things get progressively worse. And I don't know, we've been locked in our house for the last six weeks, quote unquote, how much worse can it really get than that? Yeah, definitely. You know, we'll see. Uh, I saw something like, you know, like I think a, a third, I thought, I can't remember what the stat was, but like a third of, of, of apartment renters or something didn't pay their rent. So I think there's some of that too. Like some people are, are probably foregoing some of their other bills and maybe getting a check from the government. And, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, I think this is like I'm. I'm big. I love economics. I might be like an economics geek. I'm really. I hate to say excited, but um, I think that is kind of the word. I'm excited to kind of see how this plays out. You know, you have all these people not paying rent. You have all these. I saw J.C. Penney's not paying rent. And they're not paying their interest payment. Uh, Cheesecake Factory's not paying their rent. Uh, the, you know, like. <laughs> At some point, that trickles down, okay? You know, it doesn't happen 30 days. It doesn't happen 60 days. But, you know, after 180, 242, you know, 365 days, you know, at some point, the big department store that has 300 stores doesn't pay their rent, doesn't pay their employees, doesn't pay their mortgage, essentially, uh, that shit has a big impact uh, at some point. Uh, how big and how will it affect the, the average person? I don't know. And, and like you said, there's winners and losers right now. If you work at a grocery store, if you work at Walmart, if you work at Amazon, you, you work at UPS or, or USPS, like, you know, shit is off the hook right now. I mean, stuff is flying out the door. I, when this thing started, I thought for sure my Amazon business was going to tank. I, I had all this inventory because I was scaling up my Amazon business. And I was like, this is going to be my best year ever for Amazon. And I was buying all this stuff. I was had two, three, four months of inventory kind of in advance, which I don't typically like to do. But I, but but it's something that makes sense uh, when you work on Amazon. To scale up Amazon, you almost need to do that sometimes, especially with supply chains. Last year, we had that trade, the trade tension and all that. So sometimes it was hard to get. Like you had a hot selling product and then all of a sudden you you ran out of it because there was the trade ship. So I was like, oh, I'm going to have more in stock of this stuff that, that sells well. And I thought for sure this stuff was like I was going to go down to $0 a day on Amazon. But it's actually been completely the opposite. And in fact, it's, it's like Christmas time but better because I've noticed a lot of competitors are gone. Like listings where I had five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten competitors selling the same product, and that drives prices down. Now those guys are gone, and I'm able to drive prices up. Stuff that I was selling for ninety nine nine now sells for fourteen ninety nine. Stuff that was selling for nineteen ninety nine now sells for twenty six ninety nine. 
Um, so it's it's really been surprising. We'll see how long it lasts. I think another good point you made is we're all spending a little bit less money. I filled up my car today and I think it was 60 bucks or something like that because it was two. 280 for premium out here in California, which is expensive, but out here in California, I think I was paying, you know, six months ago, I was paying probably $4 for premium. You know, it was like $90. I remember paying over $100 to fill up my tank, uh, and now it's 60 bucks, and I'm not driving as much. Uh, Geico gave me 15% off for the next six months. Um, I won't go into the whole story, but now I have the full, I used to pay like $150 a month for DirecTV. Now I'm paying 15 for the, the rest of the year. So, uh, you know, there's an incredible amount of leeway and some ways to, to get some money off on some things. It's, uh, it, it's been interesting. And so, you know, I think, like you said, if, if more positive news comes out, the cases get, less and, and and vaccines and treatments. I think I think vaccines are a ways off, but treatments and things like that start making more progress and things like that. I th- and, and, you know, 15 million Americans are sitting at home making the same amount of money that they were on, un, you know, sitting on unemployment. You know, it could be, and they're not taking vacations. They're not buying, maybe buying a new car. They're not making these big purchases, but they're still buying trading cards and kind of like retail therapy in, in that sense. We'll see how long it, it continues. And I actually think the, the suspension of Tops and Panini has actually been a positive for everybody except maybe breakers um, because it, at some point that, you know, there's probably only so much of 2019 football you can open or whatever. Um, so at some, the longer that goes, the more of a struggle, especially, I would say, especially like the high, the high end breaker, like the little guy can probably still, you know, pay his cell phone bill and his, his, uh, you know, maybe a tank of gas with what he was breaking. But the big guy that was relying on the, the 20 cases coming through the door every week, that guy might uh, feel a little bit of a pinch over the next, um, you know, couple weeks. But if, you know, if as soon as Tops and Panini fire things back up, there's going to be this wave of product. I think you will have a little bit of pricing pressure as we move forward because it's almost going to be like Christmas. Like we're going to get all our sports back. Um, you know, we're going to have all this entertainment. There's going to be days where it's going to be, there'll be the Masters, there'll be an NBA Finals game, there'll be a baseball game, there'll be an NFL football game all on the same day. Like, I actually see that, you know, we're going to have some incredible days where we're going to be able to sit around and entertain ourselves and things like that. And, and not to mention Tops and Panini, if they push all this stuff back, but still kind of maintain like the integrity of the calendar year with what they release, we're going to have Topps Chrome and Series 2 and Update and Heritage High Numbers and Heritage Minor League all come out in a two-week period of time. I mean, it kind of comes out in that cadence anyways, but it'll even be more accelerated because you'll have, you know, basketball cards and football cards kind of all piled on there as well. And so, and on top of that, 
maybe you can take a vacation and maybe you can, uh, you know, do some other things that, that you kind of wanted to do uh, that you haven't been able to have a chance to do. So there could be, I actually think, and for the listeners out there, maybe you're wondering what you do. You know, do you drop your whole stimulus check on some boxes right now? I certainly wouldn't do that. But um, I think you, you be patient, wait as time goes on. I think we'll have a, a supply. Right now, supply is constrained a little bit. I think supply will come on board and you'll be able to pick up some product and some cards later on in the year for, um, for I, I don't think prices are going to keep continuing to trend up as the year goes on. I think we'll see some leveling out and there'll be some more products coming out throughout the year. You might be able to dip back, and instead of paying $75 for a Series 1 box, maybe you're going to be able to get it for 65 or something like that. Um, but who, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, you got anything else to add on to that? You know, I think the only thing that I haven't been hearing people talk about, they almost think like everything's going to pick up right where it left off. Like all the all the players that were good are still going to be good. All the young players that were up and coming are just going to pick right back up right where they left off, even though they they start playing video games at two in the afternoon and don't stop till six in the morning right now. Things and, and all your prospects that you're spending this month, you know, if you're quote investing in them, they're all a year older. And didn't get to play and didn't get to perform. So I I don't think people are putting that into the equation sometimes when they're buying cards. Like some of these guys are going to come back fat and out of shape. Some of these guys, when they're playing in front of no fans, we're going to see how that impacts guys, both maybe for the positive and the negative. Maybe if the guy's girlfriend isn't sitting, you know, in the third row and he's, Thinking about her, maybe he plays better. Maybe guys get juice for the fans. You know, you're going to see a really weird sports dynamic because I don't think they're going to be. I don't. I th- I think you're going to see uh, things get better in terms of the lockdown and the virus and the constraints that that has. But I think it could be a while before you go to a concert or you go to a sporting event. But these sports leagues, certainly the pro leagues, are gonna play games without fans, especially if there's some sort of rapid testing where they can test everybody and everybody in the arena within five or 10 minutes or whatever, and do that every game or compete, keep them in a controlled environment, like in Las Vegas for the NBA, or they were talking about the spring training stadiums, Arizona and Florida for baseball. It's going to be a weird environment, like playing outside in Arizona in the summer how are guys, how, you know what I mean? Like, are guys going to play the same? Hell no, they're not. Guys are a year older. They've been sitting around. And how that is, I would be, I would be selling the young player, selling the up and coming guy, because Lord, no, Lord knows what's going to happen. Sure, guys like Zion and Ja and, you know, those guys should be fine. But some of these baseball guys, eh. It's going to be really weird. What's the minor league season going to look like? Is that even going to exist? So what type of training are, you know, I would be, I, you know, baseball to me is the most concerning because it's just, it's just a weird sport. Are you really going to, they're really talking about playing games outside in Arizona. And you could start that game in two in the, two at, 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 at night. And it's 98 degrees outside. 
Trust and believe. I love Arizona. I moved from Arizona because I couldn't handle the summer. And you're telling me they're going to be playing baseball outside? That's one of the plans? That's going to impact performance. That's going to impact things big time. So I think if people, you know, if if you're Brian Jordan and uh, Larry and Magic and, you know, all the greats and the Hall of Famers and so forth, have fun. You should be, you know, these guys, you know, you could be seeing, you know, quote inflation and just, you know, these cards becoming more valuable. The big time stars. The up and coming guys, I'd be selling into that right now because Lord knows what is, you know, guys who still have to make an impact in their careers for their cards to be at what what they are or elevate in value, unless you're Zion or somebody's like, you know, who's going to be fine. I'd be worried. I would, I, I, maybe I wouldn't be worried, but I'd be, I'd be moving those cards and I'd be a little tepid on my buying of players like that, that are on the rise and are literally like, you and me just sitting around on their ass probably for the last six weeks. They showing little videos of them outside training. Stop it. Stop (laughs) it. You're not getting the same workout that you are. Stop it. You're not eating the same. And if you're one of these lower guys, you don't have the type of money to have that. You know, I'm sure LeBron is fine. Giannis is fine. You know, the top level guys who have the money, the the level of training that they can get, they're going to be fine. They've already, you know, solved the diet thing and all that. The lower guys that you're spending big money on these super fractors and these parallels, eh, watch, watch when you watch when you see some guys crying, be like, wow, he he just never came back the same. Well, yeah, because he had uh, six weeks off and then they asked him to go play baseball in Arizona in the summer and it damn near killed him. Hmm. Watch when that happens. So that's the only thing I would kind of <laughs> add to all that. Yeah. And I think if we have a condensed schedule, like if they're making these guys play baseball kind of plays every day anyways, but like you start playing back to backs and stuff and you, you kind of come off not training. I think we're going to see a lot of like hamstrings and lower backs and uh, you know, different kind of tweaks and stuff. And it's like one interesting thought I, I heard was, okay, when the guy gets hurt and has to leave the team, like he has to quarantine before he comes back. Like, so, you know what I mean? Like, or if the guy's wife's having the baby, he has to go back to California or to Arkansas or whatever, and then he's not allowed to come back for two weeks. And so I think there can be some weird scenarios where a guy has to quarantine or a guy gets coronavirus or a whole team gets coronavirus or, you know, they start pulling hamstrings and elbows and all this stuff. So I think we could see... Yeah, some injuries and things like that. For me, I wouldn't be like super long anybody outside of, yeah, like Jordan and, and Magic and, and those kind of guys um, since their careers are, are, are all done. So, um, but yeah, I think it'll be definitely interesting. I think, again, the news has been negative. The momentum has been negative. But I, I feel like we're turning the corner. And I think we're getting, you know, we're coming on to a spot where it's like, hey, sports are going to come back. We're going to have some shit to watch. Cards will come back. They'll start printing cards again. Uh, You know, there'll be plenty of stuff to open and plenty of stuff to break. Prices, I think, will stay the same, maybe level out a little bit. And so there's good news, I think, for everybody. I think everybody should be, be excited about 
what's to come. I mean, what are we sitting in April right now? It's exciting. Christmas time is exciting. Okay. Especially if you buy yourself nice gifts or you have people that buy you nice shit, but you know, it's, it's eight months away. Okay. So we're a couple, you know, kind of look at it like that. Christmas is coming, but it's not here yet. So just, just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the anticipation. When it gets here, it'll be really good. And, uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Let's talk about the national, um, you know, I haven't seen any news out of it. I know they, they, they haven't really been, been giving much information. If it was in any other area other than New Jersey, I'd be uh, maybe slightly more bullish on it. I mean, you wouldn't catch me dead at a card show. I don't, I, I don't care, what, you know, as, as optimistic as I am. Outside of a cure, you wouldn't catch me dead at a card show. Okay, I'd rather go to a sporting event because I don't really have to touch anything at a sporting event. At a card show, you got to touch these cards and you got, you know, some of them are in plastic, some of them are, you know, you know, you're touching a bunch of shit. You're around guys that don't really shower and don't aren't known for the best hygiene as it is. And now you're going to like the petri dish of the entire world for the coronavirus, which is the New York, New Jersey area. Personally, you couldn't, I, you know, I, I don't know how much, I think a million dollars I probably would go. I'd wear a mask and one of those hazmat suits and stuff like that. But, um, and maybe that's, maybe that's the marketing idea, you know, start, st- set up a booth where you have rubber gloves, hand sanitizer, <laughs> and one of them big, like, uh, one of those, uh, suits that you put on and you might be the, the most popular booth at, at the show. But, um, personally, I'll let you talk about your ideas. Personally, what I would like to see them do is have two nationals next year. So this is what I would do. They, they probably have commitments that they've taken money in and, and stuff like that. What I would do is say, hey, we're going to have the national next year. I don't know where it is, Chicago, uh, Cleveland, or wherever it is. It's going to be there. But say, hey, we're also going to have one in a new location, maybe Vegas. Because Vegas Convention Center space this time next year has got to be dirt cheap, especially if you're booking it now. Or in Dallas or in, <laughs> uh, you know, a- any a number of markets, They California, Los Angeles, wherever. There's a lot of markets that they haven't been. And so what I would do is say, hey, if you let us keep your deposit or whatever, I don't even know if it's money related. But what they could say is, hey, we're going to keep your table money for next year in Cleveland or whatever. But we're going to have this, we're going to have a National Sports Card Collector Convention West, and we're going to have it in San Diego or Vegas. And if you keep your deposit on with us, we'll give you a table at half price or something at, at that event. So what I would do is, is, is provide an incentive for the dealers to not only keep their deposits online for this year, but also say, hey, we'll give you an incentive. We're going to have another show. And if you're willing to commit to that and fork over some money right now, we'll give it to you at a quote-unquote half price. Um, I think they could do some creative things. Personally, I would cancel the show this year. I think it just opens you up to a large amount of liability. Also, the state of New Jersey could be like, 
you never know what they're going to do in New Jersey because it's such a hotbed. They might not, they might be screening people as you come in. You might have to quarantine when you come to New Jersey. They might not let people come to New Jersey. I know if somebody was coming to my town from New Jersey or New York, I would have my hand up and maybe a gun in the other hand and be like, get the fuck away from me. So I think there's a lot of things that could happen. I don't think a lot of them are positive. I think holding the show, maybe there, you know, there's this miraculous recovery and New Jersey's like cool or business as usual uh, by, you know, late July, early August. But, you know, is that a positive yeah. look? Is, is, is that going to get positive news coverage? Is that going to be positive for the industry on the heels of a pandemic to be like, oh, yeah, come on in. Touch a bunch of cards, rub, you know, shoulder to shoulder at tables and booths with other collectors who don't shower and don't change their underwear. So uh, I don't know. I don't think it's a good idea. I think they should just straight up cancel it, but then also say, hey, we're going to have another one next year. We're going to have two. We're going to have one on the West Coast, one uh, wherever it is, Cleveland next year or whatever. So I don't know. You got any thoughts on that? I got some real ne- I got some real bad news. Okay. Cuz this is actually really easy to figure out. Until you can have a concert or a sporting event, you can't then you can have the national cuz it's a mass mass gathering of people. So you can basically Google what is, you know, you probably can't have more than 5 people or 10 people in New Jersey right now. In California, what is it like, you know, you can't even stand around on the street corner with 3 guys and they might break it up. So until that lo- until that uh, restriction gets lifted, there's no national because there's thousands of people in there. So here's – brace yourselves, guys. You better be sitting down right now. The New Jersey fucking nationals canceled. What you guys need to start thinking about is next year's nationals going to be canceled. You heard it here first, guys. It's a really simple. Until you can have – Concerts and sporting events, then you can have the national. They're not going to fucking let a thousand people go fondle cards together. That's just not going to fucking happen until the literal law changes in the state. And it's going to be state by state. And like you said, New Jersey's a fucking hotbed. The, the New Jer- the Atlantic City nationals fucking canceled. Period. Period. What you guys need to start thinking about is next year. I think you have some great ideas that you could do too. You could come out to Vegas. You could do this. You could do Arizona in the fall and and so on and so forth. But that's not even, I mean, we ain't even playing sports with fans yet. And until you're doing that, then, you know, you're not, you're not having a card show. So again, people, you know, or, you know, everything's really good. Maybe people get some checks and the economy has been so good. And Gary V, you know, tweeted about your Acuna cards and raised them, you know, 400%, you know, uh, about six weeks ago and things are good, but things could get really bad if you rely on that national or anything like that, especially for the national, you know, you know, how much money sitting over in those coffers, what are they going to lose? on potentially two years, which is actually my prediction. Illinois is a, 
is a liberal state. That's probably going to be one of the last states to have a mass gathering of, it's going to be above several thousand people at those damn shows. There's probably going to be a, you know, you're probably going to be able to have, bars are going to be open. So that's what, like 50 to 100 people, maybe not big, large, you know, maybe have to limit. But until the laws are that you can allow several thousand people to be in a, in a convention center or a baseball stadium, there's no national. So this New Jersey one's killed. I don't even know. There's probably some reason why they haven't canceled it yet. Probably money reasons. But that, that's already canceled. Like, that's gone. It's gone. Like, how many fucking people have coronavirus in New York? Good God. Like, there's, there's, there's no way. Atlantic City's done. I don't even know why people are even thinking that's a possibility. The real thing is, is next year. And I haven't even heard one person mention that. So you heard it here first, guys. Start, brace yourself, sit down, and just think about it. Just think about it. When is the next time you're going to be able to go to a sporting event? Probably when there's a cure or a vaccine or some super effective treatment or they figure out that, like they're trying to in California, that half of us probably have already had this thing. So there's some bad news and uh, really bad news for the national. And uh, But... You know, again, that's one segment of the card industry, card shows in general. That's pretty much most card shows, except for small ones. Card shows are fucked. But cards in general should be able to survive even in that environment. And uh, people are, you know, going to go online and shop online and do and do that and find other ways to buy cards and sell their cards. Um but for the national themselves, people who rely on that and other people who promote card card shows, the, the guys who come and sign autographs at those shows, the, you know, TriStar and all the, all the ancillary businesses, you guys are fucked. Fucked. Like, stop thinking about Atlantic City. Start thinking about next year getting canceled. So, and it's a, it's a definitely possibility. I'm, I'm still, um, you know, I think the, the, the economic incentive for these, uh, you know, these companies out there, these like medical companies or whatever, to come up with treatments, to come up with vaccines is enormously high because we're talking about everybody in the world is interested in it. Everybody in the world potentially, you know, are potential patients now. And so just the economics are massive uh, to come out with treatments and vaccines and stuff like that. So I actually think it's going to progress a little bit faster than what is often reported on and, and maybe evidence in the past and stuff like that. So we'll see what, but I would plan, I think as a dealer, uh, why would you even want to go to New Jersey? I mean, you know, you might as well play Russian roulette with a revolver or something like that. Why in the fuck would you want to go to New Jersey in like two months? Uh, but what I would do is, first of all, X that off the calendar. But also, you know, like you said, basically be planning on it not being next year as well. Um, you know, again, borrowing, barring some medical miracle or medical kind of progression, 
which I think is possible. I truly believe it is possible by, you know, November, December, you have some very, very positive news on both a vaccine and a treatment by then. And, and as that news starts to get out, people will get more and more. You know, I'm not, not going to act like I'm a doctor here. There's no way I would ever be able to do that. But I, I think there's, you know, the, the doctors on TV, the doctors in the government, this is not, their job is not to give you the good news. But if you search around for it, there are doctors that are talking about that kind of stuff and that there is positive news out there. Those guys don't get on TV much. There's not a lot of articles about that because that's not what gets clicks and ratings right now, but it is out there. And so I would be hopeful for that. But like I said, as a businessman, I would definitely be planning, you know, it's kind of like our Amazon sales. When this shit first happened, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have all this inventory all the way into next year. This sucks. Um, but the opposite happened. I'm literally, like, I've literally bought three times from Southern Hobby in the last seven days. I just put an order in uh, today for another $1,000 worth of stuff. Really, it's all one product because I have one product that's just flying out the door. I don't want to run out of it because, like I said, my other source of income is down 20 30%. So I want I want to keep keep the money flowing over here. So... Um, we'll see what happens, but I definitely would, uh, 110% would not plan on, uh, you know, again, I don't know, even if the national, even if New Jersey, they're liberal, I think they have a liberal governor, governor, I don't think any of these governors, especially the, the Democrat ones, are going to, will, are willing to give up the power they have on the people uh, anytime soon. They literally are paying you. Most of you guys or a lot of you guys are getting checks from the government right now. A lot of you guys are getting told when you can go somewhere, where you can go, what can be open, if your business can be open or closed. This is all coming from the government. And once these guys have control, they are not going to give it up. It's really not a Democrat or Republican thing. Once the government has control... They are not going to give that up. That is why you're starting just this week to start seeing protest and start to see civil unrest because people are starting to realize once these people tell you when you can go, where you can go, and they start paying your paycheck, they have complete control over you. And they are not, I repeat, not going to give that up. Period. They, once there's a vaccine and a cure, the, trust me, when the flu comes around or any kind of little virus comes around, these guys are going to want to seize control again and again and again. There is no reason why, you know, there are going to be fans at a baseball game, no fans at a baseball game, but like Ryan said, thousands of people touching cards and, and rubbing up against each other. Not to mention, is Joe Montana going to want to go sign autographs? Is, you know, Pete, well, Pete Rose probably would, but, you know, is, is, are any of these guys that are in their 60s and 70s going to want to go to New Jersey and then grab an 8x10 or a jersey that you've been holding in your hand for 60 minutes in line? Are they really going to want to do that? No, they're not going to want to do that. So it's over.
start planning for 2020 maybe or 2021 maybe even 2022 for that to return especially if it's a main source of your income especially if it's a main source of your fun in the hobby i would try to figure out some other ways to have fun um moving on it's one of the last topics i have written down here uh i saw this circle circulating on social media if you would have bought, someone did the calculations. I don't know if they did them right. So I can't vouch for these numbers and I don't have them in front of me. I'm just going off the top of my head. But they said if you invested $1,000 in Microsoft in 1986 or so and $1,000 in uh, 86, 87 FLIR boxes, you would have had about $8 million in basketball cards and you would have had about, I think, three to six million in Microsoft stock. Now, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if they did dividend reinvestment. If you reinvested your dividends year after year in Microsoft, something tells me that you might have a little bit more than three million. But I had so, I, we had people on our Facebook, I had people on Twitter saying, oh, look at this, look at this. Here's the deal, guys. I know a lot of you guys are out there, you live in your mom's basement, so you don't pay homeowner's insurance, you might not pay insurance on your car, you might not pay insurance on anything. Here's what I know about having, if you had $8 million of cardboard, because that's what it is, you had $8 million in cardboard. Ryan, you think you're going to be able to call Geico up and insure that? Uh, I mean maybe, but probably not. Probably not. You're probably going to have to go to Lloyd's of London or something like that. Here's the deal, guys. Uh, you know, I'd, I used to work in insurance. I, do, I don't have, you know, I pay not that. I have a nice car and stuff like that, but I don't, I have a high deductible and stuff like that. So I don't pay a lot per month for my car insurance. My house isn't super expensive. And if you know anything about insuring your house you don't actually insure the value of your house you insure what it would cost to rebuild it so your house could be worth four hundred thousand but you're only going to insure it for maybe three hundred thousand because that's what it's going to cost to rebuild it i'm pretty sure my mortgage insurance and this is on maybe about a quarter million dollars because that's about what it would cost probably to rebuild my house it's got it's got to be about five thousand dollars a year uh, I that I pay in mo mortgage insurance, basically like insuring my house. Okay, it's it's a little over a hundred dollars to insure my car, which is I don't know seventy eighty thousand dollars. We're talking about eight million dollars, and this is cardboard. Okay, can be easily damaged by flood, by a tree falling on it, by your kids touching it it's certainly something that could be easily stolen and you know far easier than a car or or, or a, a, even your house obviously to insure something for eight million dollars every year because that's what you would have to do okay if you had eight million dollars worth of cards sitting around you would have to insure that my guess is you're gonna it's gonna run you five figures a year just to insure that so I had so many people being like, oh, yeah, man, I would have, you know, that just proves right there I'd, I'd have these boxes. Guys, that's exactly how the 99%, that's why there's a 99% and a 1%. Because if you asked somebody who thinks like the 1%, they wouldn't even have to think about it. They'd say, give me the Microsoft shares. 
because Microsoft pays a dividend every three months. They pay you. Whereas on those hobby boxes, on those 86, 87 Fleer boxes, you would literally have to pay money out of your pocket every year just for the privilege of owning that. Whereas the opposite true is for Microsoft. And you could reinvest that money into Microsoft or what I didn't see anybody really talk about, I could have taken my money out of Microsoft and invested it in something else. What could have that done? Could I have taken that money and invested in an Apple or Amazon or another business or a, you know, a high-end Ferrari that has gone up or any number of things? You literally would get paid by Microsoft every three months Whereas the 8687 FLIR, you would have to pay an, an insane, insane insurance premium. I insure some jewelry that I have that's $40,000 or $50,000. That is several hundred dollars a year. And we're talking about $40,000 or $50,000 of jewelry. We're not talking about $8 million worth of jewelry. If I had $8 million worth of jewelry, I can't tell you what kind of headache that would cause me in terms of securing it and insuring it year after year after year after year. So don't be like one of these card dorks out there that don't think about these things logically. That say, oh my God, much rather would have the 86, 87 Fleer boxes because those are worth $8 million and Microsoft stock is worth $3 million. Guys, that is like kindergarten analysis. That is like being in the kiddie pool. Let's swim over to the deep end and realize the full story. You would have to pay $0 and 0 cents of insurance on your Microsoft shares. They would take zero square feet in your, again, most of you guys live in your parents' house and live in your mom's basement, so you're not paying rent anyways. But for me, if I had to store 100 or however many boxes of that is in my house, that would be a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah. Let alone the insurance premium. I'd call Geico up and be like, yeah, my house is worth 300000 but I have this $8 million worth of card boxes. Doesn't make any sense, guys. So... I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I don't know if you saw that going around. I saw that going around. I don't, I don't know if that accounted for all the stock splits that Microsoft must have had. I mean, maybe it did. I mean, what did it say? It was $1,000, and now what was the Microsoft I think they stuff said, worth? I think the split was like $3 million to $8 million or something like that. And it was 100 boxes of 86, 87 I think so, clear. something like that, yeah. I mean, it just doesn't make... I mean, here's another, here's how I would think about it. What if you, let's like, let's say you actually did that. So let's, you'd have to go back to like 1986 and 87 when cards were not, where cards were, you know, semi-pop. They were making a lot of cards back then. 80, what's eight, what's the print run on 86 tops baseball and Fleer baseball and all, you know, the sets of that area. Thing is, is everybody was buying baseball cards. So if you were back in that era and you thought, oh, here's my here's my time, I'm going to buy these and hold on to these until the year 2020 or whatever, you probably would have bought baseball. Like, would you have really bought 86 Fleer basketball? There was a reason why those were so cheap, because nobody wanted them. Nobody collected basketball cards. 
So you would have had to have been an uber genius. You would have had to, lug, like you said, lug these around for years. Years. Uh, face no financial hardships to where you would have had to move these uh, early. Uh like you said, at one po- at some point they would have had, uh, accumulated a significant amount of value. So now you have to insure them and kind of protect that your investment, and then ultimately to have any source of income from them, you'd have to sell the boxes. So you'd have to sell them in some way. So it just. Yeah, I, I saw that going around and I was just, I just shook my head and I'm just like, oh my God, we're doing this. Like, I don't care if it was a hundred million to three million. Give me the fucking shares that I don't have to do shit and they pay me every three months. Or at some point, you know, Microsoft started doing that for, and it's been a long time that they've had a quarterly dividend. Long time. So, I don't know. I, you know. You know, yeah, like it would, if you actually did that in 1986, would you have bought all, you know, basketball? The thing is, there, there might be some people that did that, but they bought $100,000 worth of baseball scrap that ain't worth shit, even to this day. Right. Well, yeah, I've never met a guy that just bought one stock, or, and I've never met a guy that just bought one set of basketball cards. Uh, so well, and, and and what are some of the other stocks that you could have bought for a thousand at that time, and what what are those worth, or what what have the, those become worth? I just feel like your shot to to have done that, if you really did a thousand bucks, I just feel like your shot and your best option, a hundred times out of a hundred, is the stock market. Well, that and the if last, every, but my last point is, think about the taxes. So in a tax deferred or, a, you know, in, in the right account and also, you know, over a long period of time, you know, until, you know, one of these Democrats get elected and they raise capital gains taxes, you know, there's a reason why people get rich in the stock market is because you get taxed at a very, very low rate, even if you have high net worth on selling stock that you've held for a, a long period of time. When you sell $8 million worth of trading cards, you know, well, yeah, you're fucked. You're, you're going to pay in, in this state, in California, you're facing a hefty, you're probably going to pay close to a million dollars just in state income tax, let alone federal income tax. So I saw no discussion of that either. The tax implications, the insurance implications, like you said, how many times have we been alive since 86? You know, how many times have we moved since 1986? So, uh, you know, lots and lots and lots of times. So, again, these hypothetical things look good. They might get some clicks on on Twitter and Facebook and things like that. But I want everybody listening to be, let's be intelligent, guys. Let's not uh, analyze this. You know, I've got a three-year-old that might analyze this a little bit clearer than, than what I saw going around. Okay, guys? There's a reason why every single, think about it, every, think about every rich person that you know, every rich guy that you know, what do they have? Real estate and stocks, period, end of story. They don't have cases of exquisite, they don't have cases of this and that. They might have a yacht, they might be a baseball card collector, but that's what they do for fun, that's a hobby, 
Hobby. Can that stuff go up in value? Of course it can. But let's not kid ourselves, guys. Please. Come on. Um, that's about all I had written down here. You got anything uh, to throw at the, at the program here? The only thing I thought was interesting that I saw today was the number one pick in the, not this year's NBA draft, but supposedly next year. Instead of going to college, he signed kind of a deal with the NBA D-League, which pays him up to a million dollars. That He's going to get his own team in Southern California with some other top picks and some veterans of the league, and they're going to kind of curate a program for him to train. thing I thought was interesting is the implications for basketball cards because now that he's a professional, he can, and, you know, in the, quote, NBA, at least the D-League, he can sign cards. And I thought for the first time it might open up. I don't know if the D-League, like, does Panini get the D-League rights? But it almost opens up the pathway for that to become a valuable property. And then a company like Tops, for instance, I I would immediately, the second I heard that news, would be getting on the phone to somebody at the NBA who could then delegate the rights to the D-League because those suddenly become very valuable. The fact that, you know, and a kid from Michigan who was, I think, a top 15 prospect, decommitted from Michigan, is now going to go join him in Southern California and play in this little kind of D-League select team. For these, you know, I mean, the guy's supposedly going to be maybe, or, you know, he's projected to be the number one pick, not this year, but next year. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. So it could open up a licensing opportunity. It could open up a new element of basketball cards where you get, you know, if a number, if basically college basketball goes away or kind of goes, you know, the one and done goes away and these guys go into some sort of D-League developmental league, which is the NBA wants. I mean, the NBA was mad that LaMelo Ball went and played in Australia. I mean, they not mad, or they were just disappointed. They, you know, they would have rather him sign with the D-League team. And I think there was another kid, too, who was, who was uh, highly rated that did the same thing. So it could certainly have, you know, it's going to have implications for the league, but it's also going to, for cards potentially, and it would be interesting to know, does the NBA rights include the D-League? If I were to just a, a betting man or guess, I would say no, that those are actually separate, that the NBA hasn't even carved out yet, and that could potentially with this new kind of situation going down where some one-and-dones and some of the top guys are actually going to go to the D-League, that could create a pathway for new cards and potentially a new license um, for basketball cards. So I thought that'd be interesting. Interesting. I think that, uh, I think, you know, just, just my thoughts on that as well as, um, you know, you talked about tops calling up, uh, the NBA and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it wouldn't shock me the longer we got this virus shit going on. You know, these companies are not in, you know, I think it would surprise a lot of listeners. These companies aren't in the best financial shape. And last time we had a financial crisis in this company, Upper Deck, like, stopped making payments to, like, lost all their licenses, basically, and almost went down. Tops got sold and lost a bunch of licenses. 
Donruss and all those kind of card companies were all kind of tanking and then Panini kind of came on the scene. I think we could see a reshuffling, especially the longer this goes on. You know, think about it. Like, was, uh, like, I think you know this. The San Francisco 49ers are t- still taking our money for season, season tickets. And StubHub was giving refunds. I doubt the Yankees are. I doubt the Los Angeles Lakers are. You know, it took took a while for the NBA to be like, oh, yeah, you don't have to pay for league bats since there's no games. Um, you know, like I literally got like three emails from the NBA being like, yeah, we're trying to figure out what to do with league pass. And I was thinking to myself, uh, there's fucking no games. You probably should, uh, you know, give me my money back. These leagues are run by the most cutthroat businessmen and women in the world. They are not going to be giving refunds. They are not going to let Panini off the hook on any kind of royalty payment. They're not going to let Tops off the hook on any kind of royalty payment. And guess what? They're not making cards right now. So I think we could see some, uh, you know, I think we could see over the next 12 months some major, major disruption within the card maker. Uh, I don't know if maker, but the card company universe because that is exactly what happened the last time we had a major financial crisis. And cards were still selling, you know, in 08, 09, cards were still, you know, it's just LeBron was like in his fifth or sixth year. It wasn't like, you know, there wasn't compelling products and, and things out there to, to collect and things like that. They were coming out. They had plenty of sets and things like that at that time. So I think we could see some, you know, I think we could see some interesting things happen. Um, over the next 12 months because, you know, we're not seeing the national open up their wallet and give everybody their money back and things like that. So these guys aren't flush with cash. I think people think that these card companies are, are, are dripping wet with cash, but they have to fork over a solid, what, 20 to 30% of every product, you know, for every dollar they make, 30 cents goes to the leagues and or the players in just a licensing fee. You got to figure these, the card print, the people that actually make the cards, they got to run it probably at least a 10 to 15 to 20% margin. Got to figure that. So now we're talking about 50 cents out of every dollar goes either to the leagues, the players, or the actual people that make the cards. Then you got to figure Wait, they got to actually design the cards. They actually have to pay for autographs and jerseys in that. What's that? Another 15, 20 cents a card, 15, 20 cents on the dollar. So now Panini is, is left with 10, 15, 20 cents on every dollar that they make. And we haven't even got to paying their own employees and paying for a building and paying for insurance and, and the promotion and all this other stuff that they have to do. They run a very, very low margin business, okay? They, and we haven't talked about what the distributors get. So disruption in the card community might create a lot of interesting situations in the future. We'll see. Um, you know, I think I saw, the, uh, you know, just a, a few months ago, Tops had like, Tops had like two, I think like two to $300 million in debt and they had like $400 million in sales. So it's like... The spread between sales 
this is sales. This is not profit. Okay, the spread between sales and the amount of debt they had was not not good. Not good. If you know, I actually have been another way I've been supplementing my income is by going through companies, and I've been writing for Seeking Alpha over the last few weeks. I've had more time on my hands as well, so I've been doing that. And you got to, uh, dude, the traffic on. Just a side note here. Like when I would publish articles on Seeking Alpha, you'd get maybe $50 to $75 per article. So it's not bad if you can chop it out in, in two hours, which, you know, if you know what you're doing, you can chop them out in two hours. It's not bad. You know, you're making $25, $30 an hour, and, you, you know, you have some fun discussions and shit like that. You're not really doing it for the money. Uh, but now it's like with all this attention on the stock market, I wrote a couple articles that, had like, that I made like over $200 on. And it was like, holy shit, you know, it was like, you know, I worked for two hours and I just made $200. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see what happens, but I think some interesting things can happen. I definitely think if these guys are going to skip college and go to the D league and things like that, that definitely could be an interesting development for, you know, it, it definitely would hurt, uh, you know, it also hurt our kind of like those unlicensed guys, our favorite guy, Brian Gray, who like to come out with a product when those guys are in limbo, when they're just out of college and they're about to get drafted. So you can kind of come out with some pre-draft stuff. Well, now these guys aren't ever going to hit that point. They're literally going to go from pre-draft to the NBA. They're, they're never going to even, you know, they're going to go right to high school that technically the NBA or the D-League. And if there's a license for the D-League, things like that, that really ices out, um, you know, that kind of mid-market guy that, that kind of swoops in there and maybe makes some cards. Although it's not as popular, I think, with basketball. It's definitely more popular with uh, football and maybe a little bit of baseball as well. So we'll see what happens. I know we didn't talk about uh, we didn't talk about the upper deck versus leaf, but uh, you know, you know, every you know, all courts are in kind of a holding pattern. There, we'll certainly keep you guys abreast of that situation as well. Ryan, do you have anything else to add on the number one most documented, most listened to, most downloaded, most referenced in court documents, and the best, longest running? sports card podcast in the world just gives us more time you know with the court delay just gives us more time to pick out the pants the the pants the suit combo the shirt check the weather the weather could be a little humid if it picks up in the summer over there so just gives me a little more time do we show up in the bins of the tesla you know you maybe have to take a big road trip you know do you feel safe to fly so you know different things to consider um but certainly uh, wardrobe, camera angles, and vehicle choice, uh, certainly at the top of the list. <laughs> certainly. And I noticed Bob watches was, I've never seen this before. They were running a 5% off on all watches. And so I certainly Ooh. have been on there. Although, uh, I'll be honest with you, I am not, uh, I'm definitely in the mood to buy uh, a new watch. But, um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on a holding pattern in terms of buying stuff like that until... We got some more certainty on this economy and things like that. I think, um, you know, I think people are spending the government's money right now. I think people are not paying their rent. I think people are not paying their credit card bill. And uh, so we'll see how that trickles down as time goes on. 
But yeah, we could have, you know, by the time the trial comes around, we could have a third Rolex. We could have one for our cameraman. We could have, you know, yes. maybe there's another Benz in the driveway. I don't know. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there, but we'll definitely keep you guys abreast. Again, on the, the number one longest running, most downloaded, most talked about, most referenced, most hated, most loved sports card podcast in the world. So, again, anything else to add, Ryan, to the program? No, just stay safe, stay healthy, put your mask on, and uh, wash your goddamn hands. When, you, when you're fondling the cards and, and you get back to the hotel room, wash your damn hands once or twice, for fuck's sake. That's without a doubt. And again, I'll close it out. You control 100% how you feel. I've had people on Twitter, on social media, be like, you should feel this way, and you should do this way, and you should do that. Guys, I don't have the fucking coronavirus. Nobody in my family has a coronavirus. I've been sitting on my ass for the last 12 years anyway, so the last couple weeks has, hasn't really been uh, a lot new. My, yeah, my clicks on my website are down 20 30%, but guess what? My Amazon sales are up about 100%. Bob Watches has a 5% off sale. Lululemon and some of these other places might be running a 50% off sale when they actually get to open again. So we might be able to, you know, dress even nicer than we already would have for any kind of court appearance. Gas is $279 for premium. $279. And it's going to get lower. It's going to go lower. It might get under $2 out here in California, which is unheard of. Things are fine. Chances are you won't get the coronavirus. Chances are if you do, you'll recover. You'll make a full recovery. There'll be a vaccine. In the next 12 months, there'll be treatments and vaccines. So every day that goes by, it gets better and better. Sports are going to come back. I think the Masters, I can't remember if the Masters was October or November, which means there'll be a Sunday where you're going to have the fucking Masters. You're probably going to have like an NBA Finals game. You're going to have an NFL football game. You'll have like 15 baseball games. You might even have like an NHL, uh, what, a Stanley Cup game. You might have a UFC fight. I mean, good God, the next couple months are going to be, you know, the only thing you have to worry about is probably your diet. Because if you're like me, you're sitting on the couch a little bit, eating the chips and the soda and things like that. So you might have to, you know, get, get on the Peloton or, or, or take a walk every once in a while. So be positive. Stay positive. It could be a hell of a lot worse. A lot of you guys are getting checks from the government. Most of you got probably a $1,200 check. If you're like me, you got, you know, close to three grand. If I had filed my taxes in time this year, I would have gotten over three grand because my other kid wasn't wasn't on there, but maybe next year. Hopefully you guys are all doing well out there. We'll be back some other time, some other place. Hopefully not necessarily in quarantine, but if we are, we'll see you then. We are out of here.